So we're moving through the book of Galatians, and we're finishing up this weekend, okay? And so I just want to take just a few minutes, and I want to just go through the last passage. Essentially, what was, what's going on in the whole book of Galatians is Paul is essentially saying this. This is the message of Galatians. Paul's saying this. He's saying if you add anything to the gospel, you lose the gospel. If you say Christ plus anything, you lose Christ. If you say the, the gospel plus anything, you lose the gospel. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again. That he died for our sins not because we deserved it, not because we had it coming in a sense that we were, there was something God saw in us and he said, oh, look at that. No, it's because out of his mercy, out of his grace, because of his grace, because of his mercy, Jesus Christ came to earth and gave his life. Now, in Paul's day, there were false teachers that were coming and false teachers were saying the gospel plus circumcision plus works equals salvation. They were saying, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised for the deal to be done. Then once that's done, then you are a Christian. You are a follower of Christ. The deal's not done until you do that. Paul essentially was saying, no, you believe. You believe. And uh, uh, as you believe, you're saved. And because you're saved, then the result of that will be you'll have works you'll you'll your life will be transformed your life will be changed in other words you don't change your life to be saved you be saved and then your life is changed and essentially if you get those wrong you get the gospel wrong and paul is basically what he does is very interesting because we, we're going to look at it in a minute in galatians six eleven, he says this he says notice what large letters i use to write these closing words in my own handwriting and uh so essentially Scholars have said, well, what is he, what's Paul doing here? Because it's the only letter that we know of that he does something like this. And what Paul essentially is doing, some people think, well, some scholars say, well, what Paul's doing here is he has, he has bad eyesight, his eyes are weak, and so he's writing in big letters. And the whole letter is written in big letters. And, and I don't think that's what he's doing. I think what he's doing is Paul used a secretary. Paul would dictate, and he'd have a secretary who could write and would write on a scroll and would write the letter that would be tra- taken to the area of the Galatian area and be read at the churches. And essentially, he, he took the pen from the secretary and he began to write in his, with his own hand in larger letters. Now, he may have wrote, written them in larger letters because he was having eyesight problems. It may be that he just did it for emphasis, like writing in bold or underlining, you know, like we do. But essentially, Paul is saying, these are the last, this is the last part of the epistle, and these are my words. And, and I'm going to take the pen, and I'm going to write it myself so that you'll know I really want you to hear what I have to say. So let's hear what Paul has to say. Galatians 6, 11 through 18. If you want to look in the chair Bible, it's page 894. And I'll read, uh, starting at verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Now, that phrase in itself is something you ought to underline. The cross of Christ alone can save. That's it. That's the gospel, okay? The cross of of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you are their disciples. As for me, 
May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interests in this world have been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. That is one of the most powerful verses, if not in the whole, in the whole New Testament, in, 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 the, in the book of Galatians. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble you with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit. Amen. So in our time this weekend, we're going to look at two, two critical questions. Number one, what is driving my outward life? And, you know, it's very easy to put on a good show. It's very easy from your outward actions to demonstrate that everything is okay. We heard about a pilot this week who, from all appearances, everything was okay, but as they're digging under the surface, things weren't right. And the same is true in, in our lives the false teachers were all about circumcision. Uh, whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, salvation wasn't done until you were circumcised. The modern day equivalent to that is baptism. There are Christian churches today that say the deal's not done until you're baptized. And I understand that they think they have a biblical uh, argument for that, but the, the teaching passages, the clear teaching passages, certainly the whole book of Galatians essentially says nothing about baptism. But it essentially says this, it's by faith in Christ alone that we are saved. And uh, the modern day, I think it's a heresy, and Paul had strong words. He says, if anybody preaches another gospel, they add anything to the gospel, let him be anathema or damned to hell. So he's essentially saying that if you add anything to the gospel, I pray that you're damned to hell. Because you're leading a whole bunch of people to hell. Because they're, they're, they're not banking on their faith, they're banking on what? Their baptism. They're banking on their circumcision. They're banking on their works. I'm good enough. I, I did this. I go to this church. I believe, you know, and, and Paul is basically saying you're going down the wrong road there. But they were essentially saying unless you are uh, circumcised, or we would say water baptized today, as many churches teach, you're not saved. Paul's point is this. The false teachers were boasting in circumcision. They weren't boasting in Jesus. They weren't boasting in the cross. It was all about circumcision. And today it's all about baptism. I mean, it's like in these churches, have you been baptized? You know, well, what about Jesus? Well, that's true too, but what about baptism, you know? And he says this, Paul says, it doesn't matter whether you have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether you have been transformed into a new creature. You see, the, see don't miss Paul's point. Paul's point says it doesn't matter if you've been circumcised or, in our modern day, baptized, if you haven't been born again. You can have the outward sign of baptism, but if you haven't been born again, it really doesn't matter if you've been baptized a hundred times. Now, I almost said last night, and I didn't. I almost said it doesn't matter whether you've been circumcised a hundred times, and that actually is not a good idea. <laughs> but, but essentially what Paul's saying is, he's saying, are you a new creation? Have you been given a new heart? And Paul's saying, what's taking place within you? Because you can do all these outward signs, but if, if nothing has happened within you, here's the point. There are a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian. You say, well, why are you a Christian? Well, I was baptized. 
I, I, I take communion. I believe in God. I, I, you know, I mean, these are all things. But the, the question is, have they been born again? Because I think that I think there's a whole lot of Christians that are nothing more than spiritual zombies. They think they're alive because they're doing all the right zombie-like things. And you think about a zombie. Zombies walk around and they kind of look like they're alive. But they're really dead. But the Bible says something radically different. The Bible says Christians are dead people who have been made alive. Christians are dead people who have been made alive. You once were dead in your sins, but now Christ has made you what? Alive. You see, new life comes from Jesus when He gives us a new heart. And we begin to follow Him in newness and life. And I love Galatians 2.20. If you don't have a life verse, if you don't have a verse that you would love to use uh, uh, or even memorize, here's a great verse. This is one of the er first verses in my life that I ever memorized. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of, in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Do you see what Paul says? He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead, but I'm alive. I was dead, but now I'm alive. So that's the first thing. Second question is this. What is the passion of your inner life? What is the passion of your inner life? And Paul uses this phrase. He says, as for me... May it never be, and that may it never be is really, it's hard to translate, but it's a really strong phrase. And Paul's essentially saying, let this never, ever, ever be said of me. I don't ever want to be caught thinking or saying or believing this. And what is that? He says, that I boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Now let's just stop at this verse for just a few minutes. Paul is saying something really profound. He's saying that his life, his focus, his boasting is all about the cross of Christ. And think about that. There are a lot of people today, and there are a lot of pastors today, there are a lot of churches today that basically want to make Jesus. And they want to say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a healer. Jesus was, you know, and the, the, those uh, people in his day. Jesus, they wanted uh, the miracles. They wanted a prophet. They wanted a ruler. They wanted a king. And uh, the interesting thing is Jesus has this, this discussion with Peter, one of his disciples, one of his close disciples, you know, the rock, one of the pillars, right? And uh, one day Jesus is, and this is uh, found in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus is... Uh, asking the disciples he's saying well who do people say that i am some say you're you know a prophet some say you're john you know and he says okay well who who do you say that i am and um peter says to him you are the christ the messiah the son of the living god and jesus says to peter Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven, you're speaking the, in other words, Jesus said, you're speaking the very words of God. God has given you his, you are right on the money. And then it says, and I want to read you this, this is from Mark's account in chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus began to tell them that the Son of God, or Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders 
the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, that he would be killed. But three days later, he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Do you get what's going on here? So, Peter has just, you know, and you think about it, he's like, man, there it is, out of the park, you know. <laughs> I'm up to bat again. Here it is. I'm going to set Jesus right. He says, you know what? You've got to stop this, Jesus. And Jesus says something that just takes your breath away. Mark 8, 33, Jesus turned around, and he looked at his disciples, and then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. You are not seeing things. You are, you are seeing things from merely a human point of view and not from God's. In other words, he's saying, you did say, you know, you spoke the very words of God, but now you're speaking words from the very pit of hell. Now, as you look at Jesus' life, what, what, what uh, the enemy, what Satan is trying to do with Jesus is trying to get him not to go up on the cross. He's up on the mountain. He says, you know, if you bow down to me, I'll give you, you, know, you we'll, we'll just, let's just get rid of the cross totally. And Jesus says, no. Now he's using Peter. And Peter is, and this is, this is another whole lesson that Christians, good people, can be used by God or by the enemy within moments. So here's Peter being used by the enemy. But here's the point. Peter wanted a teacher. He wanted a leader. He wanted a king. But Jesus came as a savior. Jesus had one minute mission, and his mission was to die for sinners. His name shall be called Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. He came to seek and to save. Seek and save the lost. See, the cross will be either be, it will become, you'll go through a phase with the cross. First, at first, you'll be offended by it. Essentially, what Peter is doing here is he's saying, I'm offended by this. I don't want this. This is not what I want. This is offensive. Uh, you'll be offended by the cross, but then when you begin to understand it, when the cross and the gospel begins to penetrate your heart, you'll become obsessed with it. You'll, it'll become your passion. And Paul was essentially saying, I'm obsessed with the cross. I glory in it. I boast in it. And many Christian teachers today in churches, they say, well, we like the idea that, and they, they want to get into this whole thing that Jesus taught us how to love, and Jesus taught us what to believe, and Jesus taught us all these things. Let's, let me just say this. Yes, Jesus did teach us how to love and he, what we should do. I pray that they would love one another. Right. I pray that they would love God. Jesus taught us all those things. But Jesus did not come. His primary purpose was not, come, was not to come and to show us what to do. Jesus came to do. He came to die. That was His primary mission. His primary mission wasn't to teach us how to be better people. And, and, and many Christian churches, that's as far as it gets. You never talk about the cross. You never talk about salvation. You never talk about lostness. You never talk about unless you have Christ as your Savior, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And then you've offended a holy God and that you're, you're, you're headed for hell. You never hear about that. You hear about how we need to love one another, how we need to be good people. And I'm not denying any of that, but, but let's not say that's what Jesus' mission was. His mission was one mission and one mission only. It was to come, it was to die on the cross for our sin so that we could have life. And if He didn't do that, it really, all of this behavior means nothing. Nothing. 
And Paul got that. And Paul essentially saying is, don't miss the point. What matters is not what Jesus told us to do, but what Jesus came to do. Now, how do you know if you understand the gospel? Let me close with this. Have you been offended by it? <laughs> Have you come to a place and said, "You really?" I mean, there are people that say, "You know, I." I mean, in the Roman world, think about this. Some of you are wearing right now. You're wearing crosses, right? Well, what's our modern day equivalent of the cross? What's our modern day equivalent? Well, it would be like a needle, right? A hypodermic needle, or a, a, maybe an electric chair. You want to wear one of those around? You go, well, oh, that's ghastly. That's, that's, gross. that's the way it was in the Roman world. That's what they saw. How is it possible that we could take something that was the, the, the way they executed people in that day and wear it not only people, modern people today in that day, Roman world, would say it's barbaric, that's offensive. How in the world, how in the world could you glory in this? How in the world could you even, you want to have this around your neck? And the point is, we understand that at the same time, the cross is ugly and it's beautiful. We move from being, we move from being um, offended by it to being obsessed with it. The cross shows me I'm in, I'm in incredible trouble, but it also shows me I'm incredibly loved. <laughs> it shows me I'm in incredible trouble, but I'm incredibly loved. So the question is, and this is what we'll close with, what are you boasting in today? Paul was obsessed over the cross. To boast in something is to make it the central part of your personality where you find your value and meaning. And there's two ways you can boast in the cross. You can boast in the cross when you see it as your only means of salvation. How are lost and guilty sinners ever to stand before a holy and just God? And Paul shows us clearly by the cross. We boast not in our own good works. We don't boast in our accomplishments. We don't boast that we are members or attenders of Hope Church. We boast in the cross. So my only hope is in the cross. You boast in the cross when you crucify the world and the flesh at the cross. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Through me, uh, through me for I have been crucified to the world. And essentially what Paul's saying in this passage that we read is he's saying, the world is dead to me. It doesn't have the pull it used to have. It doesn't have the attraction it, doesn't, it used to have. It doesn't have the, the power over me. It doesn't have its hooks on me like it did. The world no longer has its hooks in me. It no longer has a power over you because you've taken it to the cross and you've said, I glory in the cross now. The cross gives me value. The cross gives me purpose. The cross gives me meaning. The cross gives me security. All the gospel gives me that. See, when you boast in the cross, the world loses its power over you. Are you boasting in the cross? Paul said, may it never be that I boast in anything other than the cross. And as I boast in the cross, the power that the world has over me diminishes. It gets lost. It, gets, it, 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 it hooks come out. 
Because I'm not living for this world anymore. I'm not living to be accepted by this world. I'm not living to live up to the standards of this world or try to fit in. Uh, Again, I'm living for the cross. I'm living to another standard. I'm playing to an audience of one. I now boast in the cross. I now boast in Christ. I now find my significance and my security and my satisfaction in Him, not in this world, so the world loses its power in me. And that transformation process goes on and on and on. See, the cross is ground zero for our boasting, for our forgiveness, and for our lives both now and forever. Paul ends his letter. He picks up the pens and he writes, I just want to write this in my own pen. Would you just hear me say this? I don't boast in anything. I don't care what... I think essentially Paul was saying these, these false teachers were just... They, they were spewing out this whole circumcision thing because they just wanted to have a lot of followers. He's, and, and essentially Paul was saying, I don't really care whether you follow me or not. That's not the deal here. I, I'm boasting in the cross. I'm finding my significance and my security and my life in the cross, in Christ. And as I look to the cross, I find purpose. I find meaning. I find joy. I find forgiveness. I find hope. I find everything that I want. I find eternal life. I find life here and now. That I was dead. I was a spiritual zombie, but now I was dead, but now I'm alive. For the first time, I'm alive. And I'm more alive than I've ever been. And one day, I will be more alive than I ever dreamed I ever could be. The other side. That's boasting in the cross. Paul ends his letter and says, if you're going to boast about anything, boast in the cross. And as we boast in the cross, the world will find it doesn't have its hooks in us anymore. It doesn't control us anymore. It doesn't manipulate us as much. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, this is such a powerful lesson and so important for us to hear. And it's, it's kind of easy to understand. It's hard for us to implement. And we can't do this by just trying harder. It's only as your spirit just brings us to our knees. And we look to the cross. And we find the cross. Father, Jesus did come and teach us to how to live But he came on a mission, and the mission was the cross. For without the cross, there is nothing. So Paul says, if I'm going to boast in anything, it'll be in the cross. May we boast in the cross and find our hope, find our purpose, find our forgiveness, find everything there. And Father, may, as we boast in the cross, as we find our, our, we looked at Christ, As we look to Him, thank You that the world loses its hook on us, its power over us, and we're transformed, made as Your sons and daughters into masterpieces, fit for the Master. That's our prayer, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.